0: Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christianity Europe. Once again, we are here with our co-hosts, Sven Longshanks, and today we are going to discuss Christian identity basics, introductory Christian identity. The mainstream Judaized Christians love to look back into the Old Testament for messianic prophecies those which have to do with the advent of Christ on earth, and the Old Testament is, of course, replete with them. And the mainstream Christians love to use those prophecies as proof and assurance of their Christian faith. But aside from a few other favorite stories, they do not pay much attention to the rest of the Old Testament. However, the same Old Testament, which spoke about Jesus, also recorded many other prophecies made to the ancient patriarchs of Israel, prophecies and promises. Jesus himself said, as it is recorded in in John chapter 5, for you had... Believed Moses. I'm sorry. For if you if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? The same Moses who wrote of Christ also wrote this of Abraham, as we find recorded in Genesis chapter 17, and Abram fell on his face. And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations, neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. The same Moses who wrote of Christ later, wrote this, in this manner, of the patriarch Jacob. And God appeared unto Jacob again, when he came out of Padanaram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am a mighty God. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of by loins. The same Moses who wrote of Christ later recorded these promises which Jacob had in turn made to the sons of Joseph, to Ephraim and to Manasseh. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk. The God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, blessed the lads, and let my name be named upon them and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it depleased him, and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head under Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He shall also become a people, and he shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And of course, none of those descendants were ever called Jews. Now, in addition to the favor which the sons of Joseph, Jacob had promises for his other sons as well in relation to their own prosperity and a continued portion of their posterity, which are recorded in Genesis chapter 49, in the Song of Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 33, and elsewhere. If Moses is to be believed, then these promises must also have been fulfilled as the coming of Christ, whom Moses had written about, was fulfilled. But these promises were not ever fulfilled in Palestine. And the children of Israel, who had already been traveling abroad, on the ships of Tarshish, as they are called in Scripture, for many centuries, turned to paganism and were eventually all taken away into the Assyrian and Babylonian captives. However, Moses even foresaw that captivity and wrote about it in places such as Numbers chapter 24 and Deuteronomy chapter 28. At the other end of the Bible, 1,600 years after Moses, perhaps, in the letters of Paul, In Romans chapter 4, we find this description of the faith of Abraham, which is directly related to Paul's ministry, to the purpose of Paul's ministry. And Paul says at verse 13, and we will begin from verse 13, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham was promised that his seed would inherit the world, which was the Adamic oikumene, or that part of the planet where the race of the Bible had lived at his time. China was never included in that. Paul goes on to say in verse 14, For if they which are of the law be heirs... Faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect, because the law works wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. And of course, the discussion of the law would require a separate lengthy discussion from this one. We're concentrating on a discussion of the seed. The Jews are not the heirs, simply because they pretended to keep the law. And collectively, the Jews, or Judeans as they are properly known, were never the heirs because Judea at that time was a mixed nation. As Paul goes on to explain in Romans chapter 9 and elsewhere, these things are also explained in the prophets, such as Ezekiel chapter 34 and Malachi chapter 1. Of course, those true Israelites among the Judeans did indeed have a part in the inheritance, as Paul also explains in Romans chapter 9. And then he says in Romans 4.16, Therefore it is of the faith that it might be by grace to the end, a promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, only a portion of Israel was under the law at this time. Those descendants of the people who returned from Babylon 500 years before. The rest of Israel was still somewhere off in the Assyrian and Babylonian captivities. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Paul, writing to Romans, isn't including Malaysians in that statement. He's not including Mexican Indians in that statement. He's only including the Judeans and the Romans, Those people who are the subject, Judeans and Greeks, those people who are the subject of this epistle from the very first chapter. A Chinaman cannot pick this up and say, oh, Abraham's my father too? That's not what Paul's saying. That's ridiculous. That's like you picking up some rich man's will. Bill Gates's, perhaps that'll be read soon hopefully, and, and imagining because he left his money to all his children that you're one of his children. You can't imagine that. You have to be one of the children first. The promise is sure to all the seed of Abraham. The purpose of Christ is to assure that the promises to Abraham are assured to all of the seed of Abraham. This is also attested In Luke chapter 1, in verses 68 through 75, where it says very explicitly that Christ's purpose was to fulfill the promises made to the fathers. Paul is about to define the faith of Abraham in Romans. You can't imagine it to be anything else than what the scripture says that it is. And here Paul defines that the faith of Abraham is that he actually believed God when God told him that he would be the father of many nations. And Paul says in verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. And Paul will define that shortly. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. When his promise was made to Abraham, most of the white nations of Europe did not exist. There were no Germans, there were no Englishmen, there were no Irishmen, there were no Spaniards, there were no Franks, they didn't exist. There were no Romans, most of the Greek tribes were not yet in Greece, they weren't there, neither did many of the notable nations of Mesopotamia, which appear later in history. They weren't there either. There were no Parthians. There were no Sakasane. There were no Armenians. There were no Iberians. There were no Caucasians. There were whites, but none of them were called Caucasians yet. There were no Caucasus Mountains. There were mountains there, but they weren't called Caucasus Mountains yet. God spoke of those nations, which is what Paul is saying here, with an absolute certainty that his promise to Abraham would indeed be fulfilled. And Paul attests to that here, Romans 4.18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. The children of Abraham, the people of those nations, did not exist yet when the promise to Abraham was made. So if blacks and Chinese existed, if Mexican Indians or, or, or Iroquois Indians existed, if, if Eskimos and Pygmies existed, well, when the promise was made to Abraham, the nations who would be the heirs of that promise did not exist. So you can't include any of those other peoples as Abraham's seed. Simply because it is obvious that they are not. And Paul goes on to say, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, not according to some Judeo Christian's uh, pastor's imagination, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Abraham was a father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. It doesn't say that Abraham would become the father of many nations of some spiritual group of believers. It doesn't say that many nations would become Abraham's seed. It says that his seed, his literal genetic offspring, would become many nations. The faith of Abraham is that he believed that promise. That's the faith of Abraham. That's how Paul is defining it here. And not being weak in the faith, Romans 4.19, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, Abraham was 75 years old when he was first called by God and a hundred when Isaac was finally born. It was incredible that God would guarantee such a thing to a man of such an advanced age. Yet Abraham believed and for that reason was Abraham accredited. That is the faith of Abraham. And if you Want to consider yourself part of the faith of Abraham? Well, you better be one of those seed, because if you're not one of his descendants, you are not what Abraham believed in. Abraham didn't believe in Eskimos. Abraham didn't believe in Negroes. Abraham didn't believe in Chinamen. Abraham believed that his descendants would become many nations. That's the faith of Abraham anything else is fraud, is an attempted robbery of God. The mainstream denominations, we disregard this marvel. This marvel of scripture is disregarded by the mainstream churches. And they refused to seek out which nations it was that God was talking about or that Paul had his ministry to. They want to count everybody as somehow becoming Abraham's seed, which is the exact opposite of the clear promise of Scripture. And Paul did not go to everybody. There's no epistle of Paul to the Nigerian. There's no epistle of Paul to the Eskimos. There's no epistle of Paul to the Chinamen. You won't find it because they are not of those nations. It's that simple. The promise says that Abraham's seed became many nations, and the scope of Paul's ministry was limited to those nations. That's what Paul's explaining here in Romans chapter 4. And he says in verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. So we see what Abraham believed, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. The promise to Abraham was that his actual seed, his actual descendants would inherit the world that they would become many nations in the process. And Abraham did not doubt that. Yet the mainstream denominations of modern times do doubt that and attempt to contort the promises of God. That same Paul of Tarsus said in Acts chapter 26, And now I stand and and judged for the hope of the promise made of God, this promise to Abraham, unto our fathers, unto which promise, our twelve tribes, not thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, eighteen, three hundred, twelve tribes, instantly serving God, day and night, hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, Paul addressing Herod Agrippa. I am accused of the Jews. So Paul attests that the promise in Christ is for the twelve tribes of Israel. And contrasts those twelve tribes to the Jews who were persecuting him. Therefore, the twelve tribes are not the Jews. And the Jews are not the 12 tribes, in agreement with so many other scriptures, with Revelation 2.9, Revelation 3.9, the words of Christ. And although the Revelation also discusses Israel, according to 12 tribes, fully corroborating the words of Paul several times in later chapters... Christian, Christian identity is the study of the fulfillment of these promises found in Moses as they were given. And as history proves, did indeed happen just as the Bible said they would. Therefore, Christian identity is the only true Christianity. All we do is seek to identify correctly, according to Scripture, the people of Scripture. Christian identity is therefore the only Christianity that believes both Moses and Christ, as Christ himself insists that people should, that Christians should. And if Christians cannot believe Moses, as Christ himself said, they cannot truly believe Christ. And those Christians are kidding themselves. Once again, we have Sven Longshanks here. To help us present this topic, hello, Stan.
1: Hello, Bill. Praise Yahweh and uh, love your race, as I'm sure the people listening here try to do every day. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically, in a nutshell, what what CI is is, isn't it? Really, it's just that they're having the faith in the promises that were given to Abraham to have these nations. I mean, and and the very fact that. It, it, it talks about nations and kings that will come out of him and a multitude of nations and a commonwealth of nations and that completely excludes the Jews. They've never been a multitude of nations. The the, the, the single Jew is a multitude of different races because he's a mongrel, but they've never actually been a multitude of, of different nations. They've always just been the Jews. And their the promise is themselves, the actual wording that's used for nations is Goy which of course, they, they corrupted today to say that uh, Goyim just means animals and it, and it means non-Jews well, you know, it, it just meant group, groups of people at a time and it was used there, specifically used there, this word Goy to refer to these nations, so all the promises that, that God made He actually made them to Goy, He made them to Goyim He never made any, any promises to the Jews I mean, the, the way that I see it, Christian identity is really the the only logical explanation for the way that that things are. I mean, our ancestors they weren't they weren't stupid. You know, they they weren't keen to take on a, a foreign religion. A lot, a lot of accusations against Christianity are that it's a it's a foreign religion but our ancestors refused to bow down to foreign gods, well my British ancestors did and the 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 Christian ones, the the European Christians, they they refused to bow down to what they saw as the foreign gods of Rome Rome was the one that had these these foreign gods Uh, I I haven't found anywhere in the the, um, history books where people were referring to Christianity as being foreign it it just wasn't seen as foreign, it it was recognised as as being being of their own, as recognised as being white, and quite Christ was recognised as being white. There, there was no, no, never any suggestion that he was a Jew. You know, this is something which has come about just in the in the last century. I was I was reading a book the other day. Um, it's probably about a century old, and it was talking about um, the similarity between the the Vedas and the Bible and, and the similarity of Jesus' sacrifice in the Bible that he makes for all of us and the fact that the, the original Vedas, before they became corrupted, it was all based around this original sacrifice at the beginning of the world of this, this God that sacrificed himself and that set up the, um, the idea of sacrifice, so it was, just, it was just showing you this link between the two and it was just said matter-of-factly um, in this book it, it, you know, it's, it's that's as certain as it is that Jesus wasn't a Jew. You know, it was just said as a as a as a phrase, as if everybody would know that. Like it would be absolutely ridiculous for somebody to suggest that Jesus was a Jew. And this book was about a century old, and and in that time we've we've seen the Jews, we've seen these imposters come out with all, all these lies I and mean, we're now seeing depictions of Jesus with, with brown skin or black skin sometimes when you look up um, on Google images and you're looking up religious pictures you know there are some real blasphemous ones on there you know anything w- which shows Christ as, as as being not white is you know that's a real it's a real blasphemy You know, I mean, <clears throat> I mean that should be the first thing that people think of when they think of Christianity you should think well you know, we, we our ancestors accepted it, and they made it the center of their life. They made their faith was the center of everything. They built their civilization around it. And they didn't. They didn't reject it. They didn't say, "Oh, well, this this is a foreign thing." And you know, it didn't. They they, they didn't think that they, the Jews were their friends. They they rejected the Jews in Britain. The Jews had never even seen a Jew before until ten sixty six, and. And so you can see from that that, that it's you know it's a, it's a mistake this idea to say that christianity is is foreign to white people and once once you once you realize that and you start looking into it you, you see that there's, there's so much evidence for this and I think a lot of the problem that with with people today is they only look at the books that are around today and over the last century all the publishing houses have been taken up by the jews and all of society has been warped by them and and they have they distorted things because if you look at things that were that were written in the 18th and the 19th century you know they they didn't use the term white man they used the term Adamic man and they talked of adamites and and they were quite certain that that um, jesus wasn't a jew you know this is this is a a later corruption and when you start looking looking into these things, you realise that there is just so much evidence to show that we are the people of the Bible. We are the Israelites. It, you know, it, it's, it's it's. I find it quite amazing that the, the mainstream churches just don't um, don't appear to know anything about it. You know, there's been a, a deliberate um, something's been deliberately done to to distract them from that and to deceive the the um, church congregations. I think, because when you look at the Bible or you listen to their explanations of the Bible, none of it really makes a lot of sense what they say, and they, they tend to just ignore the Old Testament, and ignoring the Old Testament was seen as a, as a heresy that the, the people that tried to ignore the Old Testament were condemned as heretics, the ones that wanted to get rid of the Old Testament, and yet the only way you can reconcile the Old Testament with the New Test- with the New Testament is if it's talking about one specific people so the promises that are made in the Old Testament that, that are made to the tribes of Israel have to be made to what we call white people today they have to be because all the prophecies that were made and all the promises that were made have only come true for white people and the physical descriptions of them in the Bible show that they're white and as we'll discuss um, later on tonight there, there, there is so much other evidence to show that but I can see where the confusion comes in because people will look at what it says in the old testament and they'll think that you know it's talking about the jews when it makes these these promises about them or they'll see where it's saying that everyone will bow down to israel and, and they and they they think of this horrible desolate place in the middle east full of these jews today and think that it's talking about that when well, it's not you know i think once people realize that when it's talking about Israel being the ones left at the end, and, and all the nations realizing that um, they were God's chosen ones. When they, once they realize it's 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 the white race that were that were chosen by God, then then it all makes sense, and the, and the Old Testament makes sense then, and it fits in with the New Testament, and you know that that's what seems to me to be to be so important because these the Jews, Judeo Christians, they just don't don't really know what what they are talking about. They they warped it. Completely and, and changed it to the to the opposite of what it was, I and mean, it becomes clear from from those passages which with the Abrahamic covenant, which was the, the covenant that was made with Abraham, that these many nations would would come out of him, and the kings would come out of him, and they would, they would, they would um, rule that that part of the world in fact they would be the, the top of everything i mean these these promises that that covenant that 's only come true. For the white people, and it wasn't conditional on anything. It was. It didn't say, "Well, these nations that come out of you, you know, they'll only have kings if they obey me and and follow my laws." You know, it, it wasn't conditional. The conditional things were said later on to Moses. Um, it, you know, if if you break these laws, then you're bringing curses down on yourself. And the the Israelites took them on. But the original covenant with Abraham was was totally non-conditional on on the behavior of the people it was you know this this is a fact this is what's going to happen abraham had faith that that was that was going to happen and it has happened and we've got the the, the white race with all the empires that we've had that rule, ruled the world and we're, and we're a blessing to all the other people of the world and then when we lost our faith and we started to evangelize to these other races we were basically casting pearls before dogs and swine, which we were taught not to do. I mean, the Bible describes these, these other races. It describes them as beasts, and it describes these other nations as being used to punish Israel when Israel breaks the law. And a lot of these laws are, are racial purity laws, like there's, there's no lying down with a beast. You know, it's a death sentence if you, if you lie with a beast, and uh, the beasts have hands. The beasts can only be talking about Negroes. In fact, there are other um, books which were written around the time of the New Testament that make it clear that the, the word that was translated as beasts is specifically talking about Negroes. And we've allowed all these other races to come into t- our nations, and they are now ruling over us, which is exactly what it said would happen in the Old Testament. And said if you, if, you, if you break these laws, then these peoples, these alien peoples, Mongol races, will, will be used as, as a punishment for you to, to teach you to, that you need to be living separately. You need to be separate from, what, from these other races. And the Bible is, is a totally racially specific book. That covenant is, is you know, that was the, the uh, Abrahamic covenant. That's the one that's constantly referred to. And it's a racial covenant. It's it's with one particular man and his wife. And and they're described as white. And Sarah is described in in one of the Dead Sea Scrolls as as being beautiful, as being white. And there there are a dozen or so different verses in the Bible talking about either talking specifically about the Israelites and saying that they can blush and, and that they're white and fair, or they're talking about specific people like King David or King Solomon and saying that they're white and blue-eyed, and they they all descend from Noah and in, in the Book of Enoch, and uh, Noah is described as having uh, white hair, blonde hair, blue-eyed, in fact I've got the, the exact um, wording here, Noah is described as white as snow and red as the blooming of a rose, with hair on his head and long locks were as white as wool. See, that, that's, a, you know, that's a description of a white man. That could be nobody else. And his descendants are the people that the Bible are talking about. And, and, it, and it narrows itself down to talking about Abraham's descendants. And then it narrows itself down again to Isaac. And then Isaac's son... Um, <coughs> Uh, Jake, Jacob, or jo- and then you've got uh, J- Joseph and the, and the twelve tribes. So you've got Jacob, Israel, and then you've got the twelve tribes, and then that's it. That's that's the the people that um, God blessed, basically. And uh, Christian identity is, as you say, is, is the study of that. Bill. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything to that there, or I can bring up some more uh, of the evidence that I've got here to show that to, to show that it's um, that it's truthful. Well, well, there were a a,
0: a remnant of, of um, Hebrew Israelites who who were known as Phoenicians, and they were the northern tribes of Israel, apart from Judah, and, and apart from Ephraim and Manasseh. And and those Phoenicians had settled the British Isles and and the coasts of what we know today as Spain, Portugal, and France. And and those people did not adopt the um, foreign gods that most of the other dispersions of the children of Israel later adopted, especially the Greeks and the Romans. Now, it's true of every single nation in our history, in the history of our race, that when it becomes powerful and if it becomes an empire and subjects alien peoples, that those alien peoples which it subjected eventually rise to cultural prominence. And, and, and we always seek the lowest common denominator. And, and we see that very process going on in American history today. Where we have this race of former Negro slaves which have been set free and are given a position much higher than they merit in American culture and and have come to prominence, and white children are mimicking these Negroes who, who were basically savages, so we sink to the lowest common denominator. It's true every time. Ancient Egypt subjugated the Nubians, which were blacks, and the Egyptians were originally white and they subjugated these nubians and and started to admit them into egyptian society and before you know it by the time of the prophet jeremiah in 600 bc egypt was overrun with nubians because the egyptians had begun to worship the gods of the nubians the romans had had taken in um as their empire expanded from the first century BC, they began taking in the gods of all the nations they conquered and bringing them back to Rome. And eventually, they began to mingle with all the people they conquered, which weakened the fabric of the empire and eventually caused it to crumble when it became an easy prey for the Germanic tribes of the north. No matter how advanced the culture Rome was, and 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 their real advantage was in their ability to um, provide logistics and armaments and organize armies. That they lost their advantage when they absorbed all of these alien peoples because the fabric of their society had had um, basically fallen apart because people weren't. Um, That they weren't loyal to one another anymore. And that's what happens in a mixed race empire is that people become detached from one another and lose their loyalty. So the empire can never stand. It happened to Assyria. It happened to Persia. It happened to the Greeks. It happened to the Romans. It's happening to England and America today. And it's always the same way. Start respecting the gods of the alien peoples, and the next thing you know, you're absorbing the alien peoples into your nation, and it pulls your nation apart. It balkanizes your nation, and it destroys it. It's a pattern in history that we've done over and over again. In Judea, in the second century B.C., These Canaanites and Edomites, who were always considered accursed, all of a sudden became Judeans, and the nation became balkanized. By the time of Christ, we had the Edomites in command of the high priesthood, in command of the nation. He told them that they were not his people again and again, and mainstream theologians refused To go back to history and examine why he would tell them that. He, they only dismiss it by saying, oh, well, they didn't believe him and that's why they weren't his people. But Christ plainly said that they didn't believe that, that they, the reason why they didn't believe him is because they were not his people in the first place. So they couldn't believe him. Because the message was not for them, and, and if you tell any um, and anyone today that the Constitution of the United States was originally for the founders and their posterity, meaning their descendants, they would say you 're crazy, but that 's what the Constitution plainly says that it 's for us." and our posterity, which means descendants. Now, that's been violated for for 140 years now, and it was violated because of politics, but the original compact doesn't change. It's still the same, even though it's violated. The same thing with Scripture. Those promises to Abraham were explicitly to his descendants. Now, with Scripture... There is a higher controlling authority who has promised to one day set things right. If we do not seek out the truth of Abraham's seed and the historical truths that lie behind the promise of Scripture, then we are failing ourselves. And if we are the people of those promises, we are failing ourselves our ancestors and our god
1: now those blessings and, and curses I mean, we we took those curses on ourselves our ancestors promised to obey the laws that they were given and and promised to, and asked for these curses to come on them if if they broke if they broke these covenants and and, and broke those laws and it was pretty much pretty soon after uh, Solomon, that the, they started breaking these laws, I and mean, you had uh, King David and and King Solomon, and that that was at the height of the, the Israelite Empire. That was when you had that was basically the Phoenician Golden Age. Was was to to. Um, Tyre, Sidon, and Israel—that whole area there—sending out ships, going right out outside of the Mediterranean to Britain, to America, tin mines in America. You know, and these, these were the um, the maritime peoples. And there are prophecies which say that that the, Isra- the tribes of Israel would be a great seafaring race. And it was it was at that time that, that they were at the height of it. But straight away after um, after Solomon. The the two basic areas, uh, you had um, a tribe of Judah and, and the tribe of Benjamin, then you had all the other tribes of Israel, they split. They ceased to be a united kingdom. And, and they, actually, they were actually warring among each other. So, that, you know, it's like having a civil war among each other, even though they were brothers. So you can see the same behavior back then that we actually see in Europe with with the, with the European wars that we had in, in the last thousand years, warring between brother nations you know it goes right back right back to them and these, uh, these phoenicians their their empire was you know they 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 were there before the greek and the roman empire they were preventing the 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 greeks and the romans from getting out through the through the pillars of hercules for 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 quite some time you know and the, the, this their alphabet was the first alphabet that we have and that alphabet is is a hebrew alphabet and the the Israelite part of this gets obfuscated by the mainstream historians because they just call them Phoenicians. They don't actually say that, that um, what they actually mean is, is the area that the tribes of Israel were in, and the tribes of Judah, and, and that they had taken Sidon and Tyre and that they were under um, Israelite jurisdiction as well. So, so this whole lot was, was, was the tribes of Israel and they sent these ships out and these ships colonized these, these places and they colonized Britain. That's why we've got, um, traces of their language still going right down to, to our language today. I mean, the, the, the actual alphabet itself, you can see the similarities be, between this, um original phonician Hebrew alphabet and the, Ogham script that we had, and you you can also see the link between it and the runes. And a lot of people like try and say that these runes are occultic or they're they're pagan, but they're just our old alphabet and they have, you know, a great similarity to this original Hebrew alphabet. I'm not talking about the modern Hebrew alphabet or this Yiddish language that the Jews use, I'm talking about this original Phoenician Hebrew uh, language and alphabet that we find inscriptions in stones written in this in this alphabet, and it's because of that, and because we're using this language that we can see the traces of this this, this language today. It, you know' it's, it's a lot of our Welsh words and a, a lot of our English words come from this original Hebrew, and it, you know this is something that we've we gradually forgot gradually forgot that we came from there. From um, this part of, of the Middle East, even though it was it was written down in our oldest histories that we, that we came from the from the summerland, but I suppose when you be when you're just moving out in your colonies and you and you're moving way away from the the original land and you settle in a new country, you, you build up new, you know, you start everything anew. And over the centuries, the the language changes, but it, it still re- retains a, a kernel of of the original. And when it came to translating the Bible, I've got a, a quote here from um, Tindar who was tra- translating the Bible from, from Hebrew and he said that the that the properties of the Hebrew tongue agreeeth a thousand times more with the English than the Latin the manner of speaking is in both one so that in a thousand places there needeth not but to translate the Hebrew word for word So. A thousand times more than in Latin, it was easier to translate Hebrew into, into English. And he, he, they also say that the Welsh is so alike that the same syntax may be used for both. And again, Gaelic is is, is similar to it. Uh, Sanskrit as well has, has this link with this original Phoenician Hebrew. And Sanskrit can be traced back to this area... Um, Medea, which is exactly where the Israelites were held in captivity when they were removed in the 7th century uh, BC, I think it was the 7th to the, the 5th century that they moved in all, you had um, the, the, tribe, the tribes of Israel removed first and then the uh, tribes of Judah were removed and then last of all the very last of all were the inhabitants of, of Jerusalem were removed and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, if you think, well the um, the amount of people that are in these tribes, you've got twelve tribes in all, you've got two tribes in Judah, um, ten tribes in Israel so that's ten percent, twenty percent that are in Judah and then you've got at least ten percent of them have, have, have been removed and you've got just what's left in, in um, Jerusalem there, then that's only going to be well it's going to be less than ten percent of the people that actually got removed well, to, to Babylon, and then even less of that came back to, to Judea. So I've worked it out that you've got at least 99% of the people that were removed in those dispersions never actually went back to Judea. I don't know if you want to add to that, Bill.
0: Well, well only um, less than half of the people of Judah and Benjamin were taken to Babylon, because the other half... Forty-six fenced cities of Judah and Benjamin were taken into the Assyrian captivity with the northern ten tribes by Sennacherib before 690 BC. So so most of Judah and Benjamin were with the so-called ten tribes, or at least half. 46-spent cities is Judah, Jerusalem was by far the largest city in Judah and Benjamin, and, and probably like uh, New York is today, New York City is probably close to half the population of the state of New York. But those 46 Fence cities, if we want to picture Albany, Buffalo, Rochester, uh, all of the other cities in New York, they, they may not have been as big as Jerusalem, but a substantial portion of the population was indeed taken into Assyrian captivity a hundred years before the Babylonian captivity. And those people were never known as Jews. So so you're right. The, the, the people that the later Judeans had derived from are less than 1% of, of the total of the children of Israel that were taken off into captivity. The, those 40,000 people that returned to Palestine are basically an, an insiz- insignificant number compared to the total population
1: we've got records of um you know that th- they were still there I mean the Jews have tried to play this down haven 't they and and the Christians or the mainstream Christian churches don 't seem to really be interested in it and th- when they should be because you know there, there are uh, letters from the apostles in the, in the in the um, New Testament addressed to them, addressed to these to these twelve tribes, and you've got uh, so that you know they knew that these twelve tribes were were still around at the time. You've got um, Flavius Josephus; he talks of, of the, the, the numerous amount of these people, the the twelve tribes that were in Europe, and then in, when we came across the library at, at Nineveh, I think it was in the 1800s and something. Um, they found all these uh, cuneiform tablets, these letters, and they, dis- they um, described these people that were in the area that the, the Bible places the, the Israelites, and they, these tablets described the people there, and they called them the Comri. And the uh, Comri is, is, a, is a, the same word that's um, carved into the Behistad rock, uh, in the three different languages and the comri are the same as the as the Sakha. And the and the Sakha are the same people as the hibiri in the Tel El Armana letters. So you've got the Kumri, the, the, the Saka and the Hebiri are all this are all the same people and Comri can be traced back to this king omri who made a big impression on the um on the assyrians because he, he took them over basically and he was he was this this hebrew king and so then you get the word Cumri from this which is where you get the the Cumri, which is the welsh and from the Saka you get the eventually get the scythians and the scythians go to the saxons and the Saka and, and the, the sake was, an, was another word for them and of in the Bible, it says that um, our seed will be known by the name, by the house of Isaac. You know, will be known by the name of Isaac. So you've got uh, the Saka, the Scythians, the Saxons, they're all based around this this um, sack word. And even even the word itself, sack, to sack. I and mean, Israel was sacked. You know, the, the, Jerusalem was sacked. You know, and this actual word that we have, sack, when, when something has been sacked and it's been destroyed. You know the, the root of that could very well even go back to Isaac. You know because this was a serious thing that ha- that, that happened to to these people when um, when uh, their their whole their whole lands and nations were were deported and their their land razed down to the ground. I mean they they were seriously punished for the way that they had behaved, but you, you could see that the the identifiers that it, that it was still them. Throughout history you've got um, records of the of the Scythians abhorring, abhorring swine you got records of um, you've got some records of circumcision, although there wasn 't that that many because they had they had rejected all these laws I, mean, I was fascinated the other day, Bill, when you read um, a quote from Jeremiah that was talking about the Israelites cutting down trees and decorating them in gold and silver. I mean that that's a, that's a Christmas trees that that we still end up doing now. I mean back then they were parading these trees around on their shoulders and, and using them like idols, I and mean, now now they're cut down and just left alone in the corner. So it's it's a bit different today, but you can still see that it's talking about about the same people, and we end up looking for the. That for um, the wrong people in history, because we've been taught that these people were Jews, so we're looking for Jews in history. And we, of course, we can't find any, uh, apart from these ones in in Caesarea and the ones in Jerusalem. But you know, but, but it's because we're looking for the wrong people. We, and the Judeo-Christian churches don't teach that there's any difference between Israel and Judah and a Jew and Judea. They just lump them all together, as, it, as if they're the as if they're the same people. And one of the the biggest pointers that we are the tribes of Israel is our is heraldry i mean we 're the only people in the world the white people Europeans are the only people to have what 's known as heraldry. We have these symbols which depict the clans and the nations of our people, and these these images and these symbols that we have go right the way back to the old testament and in the Bible. And again, you, it's Abraham, and he's talking to the sons of, um, sons of Jacob, his, his twelve sons, and he's blessing them. And each one, he gives, a, he gives, in his blessing, he gives, um, s- some symbols to them. Like he talks about a stag, or, or, a, or a snake by the side, and a horse, and his rider, and these very, very cryptic, um, images that he uses in, in his blessings. And these images were then used as ensigns. It's talked about in the Old Testament that they're using these, these ensigns, and they had these flags with these symbols on them. And these flags have come down to us today, and they're still in the, in the very same imagery that, that they had back then. And You've got um, Judah, who, who was the lion. You've got uh, a tribe of Dan, which was a, a white horse. A tribe of Asho, which was a, a cup or goblet. Naphtali, which was a stag. Ephraim was a unicorn. Manasseh was arrows. Benjamin, tribe of Benjamin was a wolf. And you can just look at those and you can see that the, the, um, the lion and the unicorn, which is a, a, a British heraldry, and that's the tribe of Judah and the, and the tribe of Ephraim. And of course you've got the arrows in the, in the heraldry of America, and that's the tribe of Manasseh. And nobody else has got this heraldry. You know, it's only us. You don't associate the Jews with heraldry; they haven't gotten it. And yet, it makes it clear in the Old Testament that the the, the tribes of Israel would have this heraldry, and they would use it. And it's come down to us right the way until today. But it doesn't sort of tell you that as the origin of heraldry in um, in the secular sources but but it's all there in the, in the old testament and you, you can I, I it just fascinates me seeing seeing these these images and looking into them and and, and finding out the history of them because they they have evolved over time but some of them have remained the same, and even the um even the flags that we have like the the Union jack and the um stars flag that that they have in america they're old old symbols that go back and have been found, that I was just looking today, and the the Union Jack and the the Stars flag has has been found in a 4th century carving in Bhopal in India. Because when uh, the Israelites were removed to Medea, they they spread from the east and they they spread to the west and they took their symbols with them. That's that's why you've got the the Union Jack appearing in Britain and you've got it appearing in India, is because it, it was the same people at that time. Uh, obviously over the over the years, the people in India have miscegenated, and they 're now a different people, whereas that hasn 't happened in europe uh, uh, Another proof of this is that is that once these these uh, races become miscegenated, they no longer care they no longer care about the civilization that was around them and, th- and they let everything fall to ruins and and fall apart and collapse. And that 's why you have all these old ruins and these desolated civilizations in India. you still got all these people there in India that say, "Oh yeah, we 're Indian, these are our ruins, but they 're not their ruins because they let them go to ruin. They, they ceased caring about them because it was no longer their heritage. whereas it is our heritage as white people. This is why you know we 're fascinated by this stuff in Egypt and, and the pyramids because we know they were built by white people and it 's part of our heritage. But it's not a part of the Arab's heritage. That's why they'll urinate, uh, use the pyramids as, as a urinal. That's why they'll let these things rot. Uh, at least up until um, about 100 years ago, it, it, we we were able to investigate all this and look into this archaeology and find all this stuff out. And this is where a lot of the confirmation comes from. It's from white people investigating these archaeological sites a hundred years ago and realising, hang on, this is point. This is us and this is pointing to them being the tribes of Israel but, but of course since then it's not become politi- politically correct to do that plus these archaeological sites have now been turned over into the hands of the Arabs and the non-whites and, and they don't want it to be seen that, it, that it, these were white people that built this they want to now claim it as their, as their heritage Whereas before they, it wasn't it wasn't even ent- entertained that it could have been brown people that that built these these um, built these places up or or that wrote the, these cuneiform tablets. It just wasn't wasn't thought of. It was taken as a given that it could only have been white people that did this. You know, the, I mean the, it's, it's it's grown to such a large extent now that we've got Negroes claiming that they built the. Um, they built the pyramids, and that they built these ancient civilizations. It's got that crazy. But if you want to find out, you know, the, the veracity of these claims, th- then you really need to start looking at books that, that are, you know, well, at least seventy years old, eighty years old. You need to to really go back and look and look at the archaeological books back then, before they were politically corrected. It's, it's the same with the racial stuff. You know, if you if you want to really learn what what Negroes are like, you need to read a book called like um negroes in in negro land you know it 's no good reading uh, some of the stuff that's that 's written now because you 're just going to get a a load of politically correct rubbish that's that's intended to make blacks feel better rather than actually get to the truth and 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 tell us what the what the truth is uh, they they seriously want to uh, trying to Take our heritage away from us as, as white people, uh, and make us think that we're just the, just the same as everybody else. And We're not. We, you know, we were we were especially chosen by God. You know, we are we are a superior race. We're we're the, we're the, at the top of the of the of the races. We're like an aristocracy, and the Bible explains why that is, and it gives all the reasoning for that, and it you know and it explains what we are supposed to do with it. And it, it, Christian identity, just to me, it just seems to be the only logical explanation for everything that we see happening around us. It, you know, it, it explains why the world is the way that it is. It explains why the Jews are the way that they are. Yeah. And, you know, and if only these Judeo Christians could could see that, but but they don't because they they, they don't read the Bible properly. They'll just pull out. One verse at a time, and, and this is again, this is what the critics of Christian identity do as well. They will just pull out one verse at a time, totally divorced from all its surroundings, and say, well look what this says, this says the opposite of what you're saying. Uh, but uh, you've got to read it all in context, you've got to look at the, the chapter. Yeah? And there's a, a famous one in, in Galatians, I think it is, where it says um, uh, that there's no difference between uh, Judean and Greek. And the, the people that try to criticize Christian identity will say, well, well, look, this is saying it's for everyone. But the very next verse says that that's because Abraham was their father. So you can only be of the, of, of the faith of Christ if you are one of the sons of, of Abraham. You to, to go back to this Abrahamic covenant that, that we started with, and the whole of the Bible is based around that. <coughs>
0: The um, Judeo Christians and and most Americans and and uh, it's probably true of most Europeans as well don't even read their own historical literature without the Bible. If you only read books about Boston, New York, Philadelphia in in the nineteenth century, eighteenth century, even the early twentieth century. These places, these large American cities, were basically utopias compared to the way they are today. People walked the streets at night. People cared for one another. People looked out for one another. People didn't fear what might happen to them if they had to go out and and run down to the store at 10 p.m. And, And today, Detroit, Boston, Philadelphia... Newark, um, I I don't Fort Wayne, Indiana, Camden, New Jersey, Baltimore. That these cities are destroyed. They're all destroyed. They are. They are all all hellholes and and crack dens. And and people don't stop to consider why. And there's only one answer. And that's because we've allowed. We we've abdicated the position that God has given our race, and we've allowed our cities to become overrun with these alien savages. And, and it's part of our punishment that we suffer the consequences.
1: Yeah, if there were no consequences to it, then you know we would just carry on doing it. This is the point of it. People say, oh, it's, it's terrible that this is happening. Well, it's happening because we, we're accepting it. It's happening because our people have, have accepted it. And, and we've we've fallen away from our faith, and and we've we've listened to other people. We've listened to our enemies, while, rather than to our own people. It's, this is one of the things that that gets me when people attack Christianity. I think, well, you're attacking your ancestors' most deeply held beliefs. There, you, know, you should have some respect for it, even if you even if you don't agree with it. You should still have some respect for it because it was your ancestors' most deeply held and cherished beliefs. Hey, I know, this is another another another. Um, Part of this that that shows that, that that this Christianity is right and it's ours is is the philosophy behind it. I mean, there's no other race that could have the philosophy that's that's behind uh, Christianity. I mean, it's altruistic. It, you know, you treat others as you wish to be treated. I mean, that's that's that hasn't come from the Negroes. That that hasn't come from from the Jews. You know, it says love for your neighbour, love for your Racial kinsmen. He's talking about about loving your race again. That that wouldn't come for the Jews. I don't think you'll find love anywhere in the Talmud. I and mean, they they do look out for each other, but it's not out of love. It's it's just a genetic thing. You know, we've got we got no usury in the Bible. It's really strict on that, but the Judeo Christian churches ignore it or they, or they change the meaning of it and say that it just means no biting interest when really it means. Means no interest at all. I mean, this can only come from white people. They've had usury in China for for years, they've used interest. Uh, The the, uh, monks over there, they they were doing pretty much the same thing as the Jews, they were lending out money and getting all the gold off everybody, and then they were melting it down and making golden bells out of it. I and mean, obviously this is after Buddhism had become corrupted, because Buddhism started out white as well. That was started by white people. And again, that was, it was started by these these Israelites that, that had been devastated by having their, their um, country taken away from them and, and being moved away. They were the ones that first came up with, with the idea of, of Buddhism, and the rejecting the world and all the possessions. Because they'd had all their possessions, all their possessions had been taken from them. And y- you can see the links between this again by the, by the symbols that they use and the and the inscriptions that they put up. And th- they were a, a Saka tribe, and this this first Buddha was uh, S- Sakamuni And these various words um, turn out which link them with the Scythians and again with the Sakas And even in Scotland, they've got the same uh, images carved into um, into rocks up there again that you get in India and and Afghanistan. Uh, all the places that the um, that the that the Israelites travel to, uh, another another parts that um, identifies with the philosophy uh, of the Bible is, is land isn't supposed to be sold on. It's not you know it's supposed to be passed on down uh, by inheritance to to your children. Now the idea of selling your land, well, what are you going to live on? What are your descendants going to live on? And this idea of not being able to sell the land I mean, uh, this was—you know—this was ingrained in in British law before uh, uh, William the Conqueror came over in 1066. I mean, you, could, you couldn't sell—you couldn't sell land. That was—that was, that was unheard of. And the idea of, of of letting a stranger buy buy the land was just would have just been seen as to- totally insane. I mean, the, the land was it was it was part of the nation, uh, and the fatherland. So. You wouldn't really get that from um, from from elsewhere. You certainly wouldn't get it from the Jews. You've got um, the the idea of of being separate from all the other races. The idea of of segregation and being a, being a priestly people set apart from all the rest. Well, you know that's that's not really that couldn't have come from anyone else but white people because these other people it, it doesn't really matter if they mix in together. You know, it, it, it doesn't really matter if, if Negroes mix with Arabs or if Arabs mix with mix with Indians. You know, they they can sort of interbreed among one another, and it, it doesn't really matter. But if a white person is to is to breed with any of any of these other races, that's it. You know, their descendants will never be white again. You know, they've lost what it what it was. the most, you know that most precious gift that, that we've been given. And it's such a, a serious crime, this, this race-mixing, fornication, um, laying with beasts, basically. I mean, it's, it's a big part of the Bible. It's, the racial laws in it could only, could only have come from a pure race. So the fact that the Bible is talking about racial laws shows that it, it cannot possibly be by or about the Jews, because they are not a pure race. Uh, and so much of it is to do with this, with this racial purity. Uh, in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, where when the um, Judahites that did come back from Babylon, this small remnant that were taken from Jerusalem, when they were allowed back to Jerusalem, um, the high priest realised that a lot of the people had had married strangers, and they'd married these strange women from these these different tribes, and they. And uh, through all the strange women and all the bastard children, they expelled them completely from the nation and tore their hair out and, and, and made penance for what they had done. And they realized how wrong it was that they had done that while, while they were in Babylon. So they tried to put things right. They tried to straighten things up a bit. But it was only uh, a few hundred years before everything fell apart again and, and they all became Mongolized, or a large portion of them became Mongolized with the... With the uh, Edomites. So you can you can see from this this pure racial laws that it could only be from a pure race, and the, and the only pure race there is is the white race. You know the, there are no other races that um, uh, will be permanently contaminated if if they breed with one one another, because the, these other races are uh, they're all miscegenated anyway. And again, and the Bible explains that to us. It, it, you know it tells us that the. Adam was white, his, his very name itself means that he's able to blush, and it, 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 expla- it tells you all these original nations, and they can be traced back through history, we can see that these, these were white nations, and they started off white, and then they gradually darkened over time, I and mean, we've even got the word for it, the Hebrew word, Arab, Arab, means means to, to darken. We've even got it mentioned in the Old Testament. Uh, it, 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 normally, it translates it as a mixed multitude followed Moses. The actual wording is an Arab multitude followed Moses. And the Arab multitude—they had all left by the time that Moses had, had spent his time waiting before actually entering into into Canaan. In that time that they spent wandering around, they, they, they got rid of all these these Arab peoples, basically. They didn't want the, these mongolized, mixed people there, and the, the, this word itself is this, this Arab word that means mixed. That's where we get the word for Arabia from, and it says that when you when you look it up, it says the word Arab means a Mongol race, and it says see Arabia. So that's where they got this word Arabia from. These uh, Ishmaelites, once they'd become Arabs, they were no longer Ishmaelites, descended from Ishmael. Okay. Yeah, do, do you want to add right.
0: something that they had mixed with Edomites and, and the I'm sorry, Sven, That the, the I, I have a point to make. Yeah. There is evidence that traders from the area of of Arabia and and the eastern coast of of Africa and what we know today is Ethiopia and and all of those people were later con, con, considered arabs because they had been mixed in, in fact in um in, in Jeremiah in, in in the Hebrew language there's something called parallelism and a parallelism is when the same idea is expressed consecutively in different ways. And the Old and New Testaments have many, many, many parallelisms. And that's why they seem to repeat themselves with with one idea after another. And those two ideas are always repeated. And and in Jeremiah it asks and 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 um it it asks can the Ethiopian change his spots or a or, I'm sorry can a leopard change his spots or an Ethiopian his skin and, and and then you do good who are accustomed to doing evil and and the Ethiopian skin and the leopard spots are basically equated there in a Hebrew parallelism And that's because the leopard was black and white. And by the time of Jeremiah, the Ethiopians had mixed with the Nubians. The Ethiopians were Cushites. They were originally white, but by that time they mixed with the Nubians, so their skin was basically half black, half white, like the skin of a leopard. So, So there's evidence that these people, these Arab traders, were bringing... Negro slaves to China as early as 700, 750 BC they were trading in negro slaves and they were mixing with those negro slaves that, 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 that's why they're Arabs, that they're a mixture of the various races. At one time, if we look at scripture in ancient history, the history of ancient Mesopotamia, the Levant, and, and that coast of Africa, all of the people of the Arabian Peninsula were either whites or they were Canaanites, one or the other. And the Canaanites were accursed and kept separate from over time those racial barriers broke down, and after the whites had mixed with the Canaanites, that they also began to trade in negro slaves and mixed with the Negroes. And that's how we have the Arab people.
1: And the Bible um is quite clear that the Canaanites used to breed with the beasts. It, it, it gives a list of the things that the, the the sins that the Canaanites used to do and and, and says, Well you, you tribes of Israel are not to do this. These are the things that you are not to do and these are the things that the Canaanites do. And it's listed that, that they that they're breeding with beasts along with um, incestuous practices and, and usury and um uh child sacrifice these these various twisted things that, that they were doing. You know, the same things that, that the Jews are are doing today. Another thing the Bible explains is is these um, is that races that come from incestuous um, uh, matings they end up no good either. It all goes back to this: um, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. If if that tree starts out and it and it's from a you know an unlawful coupling, then then that race is going to is going to be no good these Canaanites were no good uh, Esau, the Edomites, straight away they were no good because Esau married um, the daughters of Heth he, he married these Canaanites so straight away you've got a mongrel race a, a Mongol race can can never do anything uh, of any good even the ones that, if you've got ones that are, that are uh, uh, fairly decent and they're behaving like fairly decent human beings even that works against, against us because people see them and they think oh well they're alright you know, they're, they're not a problem. We shouldn't be against them. They're okay. Uh, and they let the rest of them go because of that. So, you know, the, uh, a Mongol race can can never be anything but an affront, basically, to, to nature and to the divine order of things. And that's the only way that, that evil could ever have entered the world, is, was through Mongolization. If you've got everything that, everything that God made was good, then the only way you could possibly get... Evil into that equation is is by mixing two of those those good different put good kinds together, because then you would have an offspring that was not created by God. it was be something different, something that's um, that, that's separate to the order that God created uh, that 's the only way evil could have come into the world is, is through mongrelization and again you 've got pointers to that in the Bible with 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 the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that 's the first time, first mention of evil and it comes up in, in a tree which is, which is a hybrid of, of two different things, good and evil. So so straight away you, you've got a pointer to uh, mongolization, hybridization, being wrong. Uh, you've only got six chapters to go before you've got the, the sons of God mating with the daughters of men, which, which causes so much evil and des- de- devastation on the earth that, God has to send a flood to wipe it, wipe it all out And the, the Judeo-Christians think that wiped out everyone in the whole world But if if you uh, look into the actual wording of it Rather than it being the whole world It was far more likely just to be the land or, or that area that, that they were in Because the wording used is far more often used it, um, as a translation for land uh, Meaning the area or the country Yeah, go on
0: And and a precursory examination of Genesis chapter 15 verses 19 through 21 shows that there were people on the earth, the Kenites, the Rephaim, the Gergeshites, the Kenizzites, that there were people on the earth that did not descend from Adam, that are not listed in the, the genealogies of Genesis chapter 10. So in Genesis chapter 15, right away we find alien people who could not have come from Noah. Therefore, the flood could not have been a global flood. It had to be a local flood. As you say, the same word translated um, earth in, in, in Genesis chapter 6 through 9, that same word, Eretz, is translated as land in a thousand other places. No exaggeration. A thousand other places in the Old Testament. Old Testament, the same exact word. So the flood covered the whole land. And that is how, in Genesis chapter 15, we find these alien people who did not descend from Noah. And among those alien people are the Kenites, who are the descendants of Cain. And and that's admitted by many old lexicons. And the Rephaim. And the Rephaim are the giants who the children of Adam were punished for mixing with, and they survived the flood.
1: So it just shows you, doesn't it, just that right right at the very beginning, everything was caused by by race by race mixing. That was the problem. That that's what it all started with was a was a race mixing event. I mean, even if you go back to the first chapter, I think it is, or the second chapter, it says kind after kind. Uh, I think it's in nine times or ten times. It says kind after kind, and that was the first instruction that, that the Bible gives: is that it, it, everything should be kind after kind. It should be reproducing kind after kind, not kind with separate kind, but kind or kind with a different kind, but kind after kind. And that, that's just the, the law of nature. Before we even get to uh, specific laws was about not not doing usury or um you know loving loving your your racial kinsmen as yourself before you even get to that you 've just got a basic this is the basic order of the world the natural order of the world is kind after kind and straight away you 've got a a rebellion against that and you've you 've got evil created through a rebellion against that kind after kind and, and you 've got these wicked mongol races which, which causes causes a flood. After that, you've got, um, as you were just saying there, Bill, you've got these races that, that were left over that were descended from these, these, these matings between the, the sons of God and the daughters of men, and they're in the area that these, these Canaanites were in, and they would have been interbreeding with these uh, Canaanites, and so then that's you've, again you've got a Mongol race, Canaanites, so. Yahweh God tells the Israelites, he tasks them with getting rid of these people, wiping them out, because otherwise they're going to be causing a hell of a lot of problems later on. And, and the Israelites didn't wipe them out, they took some of them as slaves, it's written in the Armana letters that um, the Iberi that were um, attacking them, they were either killing them or, or taking them as slaves, so we know that they were, you know, there's, what it says in the Bible, well, what happened, is it was true because it's borne out by these, by these Armana letters, and these um, Canaanites that lived, the, these Hittites. Uh, they are the, they they can be traced to the um, intermarrying with the Edomites that then intermarried with the the Judeans and the Judahites um, later on, a couple of centuries before Christ, and there was a large portion of them. In Judea at the time, and, and then on from then, they've interbred with with the with the Khazars. So you've got this this evil breed that goes right the way back, and it can be traced right the way back to to Cain. Really, I mean, there's so much, um, uh, so many pointers in the Bible that, it, that that seem to be saying, look, you know, Cain was not did not come from Adam. I, mean, I think you said there were there were six witnesses to that in the Bible, wasn't there, Bill? Separate witnesses.
0: I Believe I don't know. I have a, a podcast on that with a long list of witnesses.
1: Yeah, Cain was of the was of the wicked one, and when he talks, to, when um, he's just talking to the Jews, this is the blood from Abel and all the other prophets is on their hands. So it's saying that that these these Jews are descended right the way back from from this, well, this evil Mongol race.
0: Not only John chapter 8, but also Luke chapter 11 prove in the words of Christ that the Judeans who had confronted and denied him were of the race of Cain. They could not have been of the race of Israel if they were responsible, if their race was responsible for all, all of the blood of the prophets back to Abel, only Cain be responsible for the blood of Abel. So they are descendants of Cain, or Christ is a false accuser. They can't have it. The Judeo-Christians can't have it both ways.
1: You've got the, uh, the, the seed of the woman and the, and the seed of the serpent. It, it's quite open. It says about that, and, and the seed of the serpent will... Bite the heel of the, of the seed of the woman, and, and the seed of the woman will crush the head of 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 the serpent that's that's biting his heel. So it's that's obviously that's where you get the, the phrase to seed line" from. But it, it, it's telling you right, right. there, right?
0: The serpent. I'm sorry. It has to be the seed of the serpent that lifted its heel against the seed of the woman, and Christ applied that scripture to himself.
1: Yeah, it's telling you right there. You've got you've got two races that are opposed to one another. Uh, it's not saying that one one of these races can can repent and, and and they can be saved. It's telling you straight away you've got the you've got an evil race there, and you've got a, a good race, uh, and or or a, you've got a race with the ability to to choose. A race with the ability to be good if 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 you decide to be good. Uh, but you've got to have a, a, an evil race there for, for the good race to uh, to be against and to be tested by in, in order to show that you're good. And, and you've got all of that from because Adam was given a second chance basically. You know, you, you prove yourself. Pre- okay, well, you know, you, you did wrong. Prove, prove that you that you you can act in the way that God wants you to. But you you know, you'll need to be tested in order to prove that. And that's the way that, that I see it. And, and all of this is is. Us being being tested and learning to to reject sin, learning to see what sin is, identifying what it is, and, and rejecting it, and and gradually working our way back to how how things were were envisaged for us, I think. Originally, before the before the um, original sin and the original race mixing event, you know, the, we this. Fighting against these people and, re- and rejecting them and, and, and rejecting sin is our way of, sh- of um, showing that, that, that we can do what, what what our Creator wants us to be doing. You know, we have the choice; we we can do right or wrong. But I, I don't think the the Jews and these other races. I don't I don't really think they have a choice. You know, they, they are they're corrupted for, genetically, right right down to the. Know, their, their very cells and cells are corrupted because they are no longer kind after kind they're mixed they're mongrelized and in in the case of the jews this um, this bloodline of theirs can can be transferred on to other mongrels because it, as christ said the, the blood of the uh, saints is on their hands, so that means that um that can be passed on through through mongrels whereas you know christ's christ's people that can only be that inheritance can only be passed down through a lawful marriage, through one white man and one white woman, and then you've got you got the you've got the inheritance that God gave to us when when the Lord God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and and made it, turned him into a living soul. That living soul can only be passed on through two white people with, with no adulterated blood. Whereas the um, inheritance of the uh, of Cain, the wicked one. That inheritance can be passed down through any mongrels. It seems because you've got all these various different Mongols that make up the, the Jewish bloodline, and none of it has, um, uh, has 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 stopped the Jews being of the wicked one. You know they, they've proved themselves uh, their wickedness right the way up to this to this very day. So right right from right from the start of Cain killing Abel right the way through till till today, you can see these people that eventually ended up being called the Jews today are uh, 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 just wicked, evil, their uh, ways are evil. They test us and they corrupt us and they parasite off us within our nations and we've had problems with them right, right from the very start. And Israel and Judah had problems with them right from the very start. You had these, uh, the, the first mongolized types was, was um, the heights uh, Judah had Two twin sons with an Israelite woman, and, and they became the two kingly lines: the one in the um, in Palestine, and the other kingly lines of Europe. But he also had a Canaanite wife, and for, in the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, he he makes penance for this fact that he he had a, um, a Canaanite wife, and, it, and, it, and it, it was wrong. He he knows how wrong it was by that time. But um, the the descendants from the the Shelahites, they they're just not really. They're not written about in any in any good terms in the Bible, and then there's references to um, Judah going with this, with the daughters of a strange God. I can't remember the exact phrase of it, but it's but it's in Malachi, and Jesus makes a reference to it as well when the Jews say to him, "We have um, one Father. We all have one Father, don't we?" And it, it, it's uh, it's a reference to this. Chapter in, in Malachi, which is talking about the Judah's miscegenation, his race mixing with this with his um, Shelahite daughter. So he, the Israelites were having problems with with these um, these interlopers, right? Right from the very beginning, right from the very beginning. As I say, they started following the the pagan customs right after King Solomon. So at least the ones that made it to Europe got themselves away from that and they got themselves away from that temptation because there there were no uh, dark-skinned races in Europe for there to be a temptation. Uh, I always find it uh, interesting or I always find it, uh, what's the word, inspiring, that that verse in the the, uh, Esdras, I think it's three Esdras, when it talks about the Israelites, look, and they were, when they're in captivity, they decide to go through the waters of the Euphrates and find a, a new country where they can, once and for all, obey the laws of their God. And I, I always thought, well, I think that must have been quite a large portion of them that, that eventually came over to Europe, and and started off these these the nations that we've got here because it, our people were good people you know they they always were good people the, the white European people, and we know that because they, they weren 't race mixed they 're not brown color okay they were they're in Europe where there aren 't so many of these peoples, but we still had the um uh, the Muslims coming over just snatching our women and and making these raids into into britain and uh, and france and and uh, even as far as Iceland. But we still remained white. The fact that we're here today and, and we're still white shows that our ancestors were good people and, and they kept to the kind after kind law. And, and the ones that that didn't keep to that law, they, they're they the ones that are uh, living in, in India and in the Middle East and and all these other um, desolate third world places now. The uh, Bible to me, it, it explains all that. Explains all that, and it, and it makes you, you know. It makes you feel proud of, of your ancestors, proud of the fact that you are white. You know, we, we really should be so proud of the fact that we're white. Uh, I know that the, the um the society that we live in says that oh you you're just born of an accident of, you know accident of birth you could have been born any of anyone in the world. Well, no, that's not true. You know, you've got to think all your your ancestors go right the way back to these people. You know, I believe we go, we'll go all the way, right the way back to to Adam, or the one Adam. You know, I know there's a belief that, that Adam could have been, you know, just describing a particular race and, you know, different people. But I personally, I believe we go, we'll go all the way back to one man and, and one woman. And that, you know, that gives me a good feeling to think, yeah, I'm still there and I've still got my inheritance. You know, I can still blush. And, you know, I'm still a living soul. And that living soul has been passed right the way down that line from you know, right from the very, very beginning that it talks about in in Genesis. So I find that inspiring. I mean, the whole whole Christian identity way of looking at things, I've found to be logical and consistent, uh, and it fits everything that I see happening around me. And everything that I find in the Bible, I find it confirms it. Uh, You know, what I find looking through history, and that confirms it. Uh, it, it just it, it is the truth. I am convinced that it, that it is always the closest that we will get to the truth it 's the most truthful way of of looking at at christianity and once once you know that, if you see something in the Bible and you think, Well, it does contradict what i what 've been taught from the Christian identity understanding, then you know, I bet you 'll find out that there's a mistranslation there or, or you 're looking at it wrong. You know that's what you. That's what it usually is. If there's a, if there's an inconsistency, the problem is with the way that you're looking at it, or the problem is is with the translation because it's, there really shouldn't be any inconsistency in the Bible, and from what I've, what I've found of it it, it, it doesn't contradict itself. If it says one thing in the Old Testament, it's not going to say the opposite in the New. And the only way to to link the two together is to look at it through through Christian identity eyes, that, that it's talking about the same people, that it has to be. It has to be talking about Israel in the Old Testament and Israel in the New. Can, it can only be doing that to actually make sense. And again, that's where, that's where the problems come, I think, because people that don't realise that, or, or white nationalists that don't understand that, they'll look and they'll see that it's talking about Israel, say, in the, in the New Testament, or the tribes of Israel, and they'll think it's talking about the Jews. So, uh, and, and that's, where, that's where the problems come and, and again that's where the problems come with the Judeo-Christian churches because they, they think that all these promises were made to the Jews you know, there weren't any promises made to the Jews and it says that the Edomites will go back to Edomia and they'll rebuild the high places before they're finally burnt away and destroyed once and for all and that, that's a prophecy that's coming true right now you know, Edomia is, is out here in Palestine that's where the Jews are now. Doing, you know, they're doing what it says the Edomians would do. They would, they would go back there and rebuild their high places. Whereas the tribes of Israel are told that they will have a new land. They'll have a new place. They'll have a new language. They'll have a new name. They'll spread out to the right the way across the world, which is exactly what we've done. And though you can look through all the all the promises that were made to the Israelites, and you can say, well, yeah, all of those have only come true. For white people, I don't know if you want to uh, add to that, Bill. It, it, um,
0: it, it's it's real simple. Why was Esau rejected? Why does Malachi say that God hated Esau? And Paul of Tarsus repeats that in the New Testament, in in the Book of Romans. Why would God say that? Why would God say that He hates Esau, and Paul upholds that in the New Testament by repeating it, so the words must still be valid, and the words are valid, whether Paul repeats it or not, because God does not change as he attests over and over again in scripture and and Paul upholds that Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul explains why God had hated Esau. In Hebrews chapter 13, where Paul explains that Esau was a profane man and a fornicator. When we go back into the book of Genesis, there was only one reason why Esau could be considered a fornicator. And that's because all of his wives were Canaanites or Ishmaelites, who had already mixed with the Canaanites. And he couldn't make his parents happy and marry someone from his own people like Jacob did, which was actually a relief. It's expressed as being a relief by Jacob's parents that Jacob married one of his own people. Because Jacob's mother had said, if Jacob doesn't marry one of our own people, my life will be worthless to me. If he did what Esau did. So the only thing that could possibly make Esau a fornicator is his Canaanite wives. And then on the other side of the coin we have Judah, and it's the same coin. Judah married a Canaanite woman, and the children that he had with them didn't have and and didn't have any portion of Judah's inheritance. And and that's explicit in scripture. And the it, it's fortunate that Judah's second wife was a, a a white woman, and that he did have legitimate descendants with her. But Judah, it is said, as you cited from Malachi chapter two married the daughter of a strange god and it goes on to say that cursed is the man who does this in Israel that he would be cut off from his people whether he be a scholar or 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 whatever or a priest so what we see that Judah and Esau are both reprimanded for their race mixing in scripture and they both suffered from it in different ways the difference is that Judah had Mercy by God for the sake of the promises to, to Jacob, not, not on Judah's own account. So it's clear that, that race mixing is forbidden in Scripture. And it's clear that whenever whenever we race mix, we are an accursed people. Our race was to be separate and peculiar from all the other races. We built the greatest society that world history had ever seen in Europe as a Christian people. And when we allow ourselves to be flooded with these aliens, we become like the aliens. And our once beautiful cities now look like... The deserts of Mexico, the jungles of Africa, and, and white people are afraid to walk through them. And, and we're destroying ourselves with, with our wayward egalitarianism. Because wherever Africans go, they bring Africa with them. And wherever Mexicans go, they bring Mexico with them. They recreate. The 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 hellholes that they came from, wherever they go, because they simply do not have the blessings of God.
1: And it gets worse he and accepts. worse till we till we reject it, doesn't it? The, their behaviour gets worse and worse and worse until we reject them. There's no other way that it can be.
0: Yes, it does. Some of them seem to excel in our society, but the exceptions prove the rule first. And second, they only excel in our society with many special favors and, and, and much coddling by the society itself. And when you have to um, give people, when you have to feed people in your nation, they're, they're not people. They're pets. They're not people. They're like kept pets. They have to be fed. They have to be constantly attended to. They have to be constantly watched. It's like having a dog in the house that you're afraid is going to steal the meat from the table. You turn your back, the meat's gone. They're pets. They're not people. And, and, and we're told not to have such pets. It, it's very explicit. Thank you for joining us, Sven. And, and, um, we, we may pick up on this topic again in future weeks. And, and I know we have a lot of other things that we want to talk about on this program. So we don't have to abide by this topic next week, but we certainly should revisit it.
1: Yeah, uh, Thanks, thanks, Bill. I, I hope people um, get something out of this. I know that there are uh, people that I shall be sending the link to that, that often ask about where they can go just just to find the basics on on Christian identity because a lot of the time people get swamped by so much information they, they don't really know where to start with so hopefully this was this will um be able to give people a bit of a, a bit of a start that that are interested in it so um yeah so uh, yeah uh, praise yahweh and and love your race and I'll see you next time
0: praise Yahweh.